midlife. The Midwest. It's the middle class. The millennials. Baby boomers. West Coast. East Coast. The far right. The far left. What we need is some middle ground. Middle ground. Middle. Middle. Middle ground. Uh, hello, Groundhogs. Welcome to Middle Ground. Just a couple of guys trying to sort it all out and find some balance in this crazy world. I'm Chris Otto. And I am Chris Kelch. Uh, we're back from a brief summer break. Unplanned summer break. Spontaneous summer break. Spontaneous. But, you know, I the way I always say it, it's, hey, Oprah took summer breaks all the time, and that's what we're striving for here on this show, that kind of quality. So why not take a break in the middle of summer? But this week's guest, I'm not afraid to say it. I'm just going to come out and proclaim this week's guest may be one of the most famous people in Grand Rapids, Michigan. <laughs> Biggest. Yeah. Big. And, and by Bigger that, we big. mean live, still living, but still living, because Gerald Ford is by far still the most famous dead person, but he's the most famous living person in Grand right. Rapids. Thank you for clarifying that he's uh he's great he's the 11 o'clock lead anchor for wood tv in grand rapids but in the meantime let's get to it i'd love to get your thoughts on this i know you grew up uh, a, a staunch republican conservative in michigan and we may no, see no 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 of... no let's not don't let's not mischaracterize my political leanings i was never a staunch republican okay. uh, conservative okay. moderate conservative moderate conservative all right that's fair enough um, any signs of moderate conservatism left that you saw this past week? <laughs> well, it's, you know, I think we've been, we haven't done one of these episodes for, two, I think it might have been two full weeks. And we did get one note saying, where the hell are you guys? Uh, so thank you to our one listener, actually, who's in the UK. So Americans apparently don't care, but the UK does. So this is for <laughs> you. This is for you, baby, out there in London. Uh, and... Uh, so no, so much has happened though. We've had, I think, right after our last episode, the Dallas shootings. Sure. Um, we've had the the truck incident in Nice. We've had shootings Munich. now in Munich. Uh, we've had a couple people come into our lives, uh, and not in a romantic way, but Mike Pence is now a part of our daily lives, and Tim Kaine is now a part of our daily lives. So it's the world is a totally different place since the last time we spoke. <laughs> it's somewhat different. We'll see. Uh, totally, I, totally uh, different. Totally different place. The thing that that most disappointed me about that Republican convention, aside from a lot of things, but you know, one of the the purposes of a convention is to showcase your young and up-and-coming talent. So in 2004, you know, even though Kerry looked like he was going to lose to Bush, Democrats were out of business, they rolled out Barack Obama, he makes a killer speech, he breaks onto the national scene, and the rest is history. Here, this past week, I'm not seeing any of that either. It'd be nice if they rolled out a young senator from somewhere, kind of a forward-looking guy or a young governor somewhere. It's They don't have anything in the pipeline either. So whether you think Trump's going to win or lose, the future still doesn't look good. So that part disappoints me, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, you know, it's it's interesting. And what you just described, the, the what the convention should be, you know, a big event every four years to roll out your big new talent and blah, blah, blah. It's no coincidence. And I, I think maybe there's some confusion here. Comic-Con also happened this week. And there you have Donald Trump standing up Thursday night. You got Trump standing up Thursday night painting this dire, dark, destructive, the apocalyptic version of America. And I'm the only one who can save you. I alone can handle all of these problems. It's super Trump. He, I don't, it was Comic-Con. I'm not sure which was which. Here I come to save the day. That means that Donald Trump is on the way. 
Yes, sir, when there is a wrong to right, Donald Trump will join the fight on the sea or on the land. Donald Trump gets the situation well in hand. Anyway, we need to move on, and I've got it. We have it. So, so Chris, I, I hate to tell you this. Louise and I had a little uh, powwow here on in the Michigan office, and we decided uh, the Tinder update has been retired because we've got a new feature on the show, and we're calling it The Bumble Brief. It's all Bumble all the time. All Bumble, and there's our new uh, theme song. Addictive. What do you think of our new theme song? Yeah, it's catchy. It's uh, catchy. I, uh, you guys, uh, I got to start going to production meetings. That 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 is hot. Well, actually, I, I quite like we, that. It was a surprise. Um, it's a surprise for you. So welcome to your new Bumble update, which you. of course is now going to thank be you. our weekly update for your adventures and hijinks on the app we call Bumble, where the power is with all the right. woman, just the way you like it. So let's just catch up really quickly. You had two dates. One of them was from India, Pakistan, Spain, uh, Turkey. Turkey. One of them was from Ooh, Turkey. Ooh, not a good time to be from Turkey. Or maybe one maybe a good time from... to be from Turkey no. and not in Turkey. So one was from Turkey. One was from here. You really liked the second one. You had a date. Things went well. You had set up a second date. You were certain it was going to happen. Boom. Take it from there. Day of the date. Uh... I, uh, it didn't happen. I just didn't like her enough oh, to make a second Oh, you pulled date. the plug. I bailed. I bailed on the second day. Sorry wait, about that. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. So what happened? I mean, you were pretty positive and into her on the, uh, talking to she us. She was texting. She was texting. She was texting me too much throughout the week. A little bit strong. Hey, how's your day going? Hey, how's your Friday going? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm being polite and all that. And uh, we had something set up in Lincoln Park on Saturday, and uh, and she says, you know, hey, I'm I'm doing something on Saturday, blah blah blah. Uh, is, would Sunday work better? And I said, yeah, Sunday would work fine. Let me know a good time, and I'll make it happen. Fully intending to go to the date. If if she had, so I left it right at that. And then Sunday rolled around. She never texted me, and I never took the step. It's a whole passive-aggressive mind screw, but I never took the step of saying, hey, still uh, interested in getting together, you know, today, Sunday? Uh, I never made that step because I didn't like her enough to take that step. That's the reality of So you kind of ghosted on her. Is that what I'm hearing? I kind of ghosted on her. Absolutely. Is this... I ghosted Is on Is this her. a retaliatory, retaliatory ghosting toward the whole female gender? Because this happened to you a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I'm just I'm, boy. You asked the tough. You asked the tough questions. Hey, I'm, <laughs> you really I'm here to bring out the truth, and I'm here to defend justice. Frankly, uh, Chris, I I I uh, oversold it on the last episode. If you want the truth, I was not that attracted to her. Uh, you get a facial shot of her on Bumble, and then when you meet them. You get the full body shot, obviously, and the body was a problem. I thought the face had some potential, but the body right, was hold, a problem. Hold on. Louise, so I never... Louise, can we roll the tape of last time and hear how into uh, that date, Chris? Oh, she's already on it. Okay, here we go. Let's just play. I just want to play a snippet. We're going to go in the Wayback Machine here and just play a snippet from last time. 
boom, 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 a ton of matches. Like I'd swipe right and then, you know, ding, match, you know, that she liked you too. So, so wow. a ton of matches to start off the week. And one of them I thought was really attractive. And she lives in Lincoln Park. And I would say that's the in the lead right now. <laughs> So there you go. That uh, the proof is in is is in your words. Uh, how do you respond, Mr. Kelsch? It, it's I'll tell you what it is, and I'm being totally truthful here. It's like when you get the new toy, the new app, or whatever it is. Anything new is so exciting and amazing, and you're crazy about it the first couple of weeks you get it. So that was the first week I got Bumble, and I was blown away by all these uh, people, t you know, reaching out to me and starting conversations and things like that. So I was overexcited. So. I'm like, this is amazing. This is crazy. I've never had this many dates before in my life. You know, two, three dates in a week. <laughs> um, but they, that, that doesn't change the fact that they still have to be attractive when you meet them. True. Yeah. So technology can't over... That's our lesson this week, uh, groundlings and groundhogs. Technology can't overcome physical attraction. It just can't. Ain't that the Mother truth. Mother Nature still rules. And that's why Chris and I are not on television. Instead, we're podcasting. <laughs> Go ahead. The other it's thing, kind of a slow roll. The other yeah. thing, respectfully, we have to start talking in code or something because every time we do this, you know, my mom listens to the show. Hello, Mrs. Kelsch. Loyal I'm doing my best. Hello, I'm, Mrs. I'm doing my best to what get you your son happens? out there. What do you think happens after we talk? Oh, you about get the this? call. What do you, you get, think you get the call. She's happy. You get the. She uh, wants uh, her to come uh, for Thanksgiving. Well, thank God she learned how to. We taught her how to text this year. So oh, good. Yeah. Well, you can. She has an iPhone, so I get a text every week hey how did those dates go how did that second date go this that and the other how's this when are we getting a new show when when's any podcast this week blah blah i'm like come on and then i'll throw this in i gotta share this with you because this is one more i'll give you one more story because it's a quintessentially modern story just to for old time's sake i still go over to tinder and here's the thing a lot of the same people you see on bumble you see on tinder I feel like reaching out to him on Tinder saying, hey, I saw you on Bumble over there. Just to see what that response would be. But someone reaches out on Tinder. You, have you had pe people, if you've ever had this happen to you, I'd be curious what your thoughts are. You get a couple of, of pictures to, to scroll through someone on Tinder or Bumble. So you, you, you scan through the pictures, four or five pictures, get a look, good look at the person in different scenarios, like anything else. And uh, I, I come across this one, and in one picture, she's beautiful. And that was the picture that popped up, so I said yes to that. Then the, the it's a match, so you scroll through her profile. And then the other pictures, she looks vastly different in every picture. Yeah. She doesn't look like of the same course. person. And that and and I so I so I, I finally reached out to her on Tinder and I said, Hey, I you know, being really friendly and stuff, I go, Hey, I really enjoy your your pictures, really cool. You look very different in each of them. She reaches back to me and says, yeah, the multiple personalities certainly help with that. And I thought, well, that was really funny. So I go back, you know, so we're on the funny vibe now. So I, I uh, reach back to her and go, hey, I know what you mean. I'm tripolar myself. <laughs> she comes, you know, not tripolar. I like tri that. Yeah. She comes back with a great one line and it's this overachiever. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. I immediately shared that that um, that exchange on Facebook because I thought it was the funniest freaking thing. 
and then my mom yeah. sees it on Facebook, and she texts me, and she goes, hey, I'm texting you because I don't want to embarrass you on Facebook, but I never thought of you as an overachiever. <laughs> I said, Mom, it's a freaking joke. <laughs> you know what? I wish, it's a I joke. wish she had uh, I wish she'd shared that on Facebook. Damn. That's actually a better line than yours. I like that. <laughs> but, oh, oh, here, and then one final Bumble update, and then we'll put this one to bed. Uh, came across a uh, very sexy and beautiful woman on Bumble who is from uh, state of Michigan, Red Wings fan, Serbian, very attractive girl. So I'm really, I'm, I've started talking with her. That's where we're at now. That's the absolute latest. You're all updated. Do you have a date set up? Not yet, but uh, she went to a wedding. I couldn't talk to her yesterday because she told me she was going to a wedding. And I said, okay. And it's a Serbian wedding, which mm-hmm. I think are, are supposed to be really festive. Like, they're just all day. Most weddings are all day mm-hmm. things. But I guess this sure. is really supposed to be. So I said, okay, uh, be careful. And I want to hear tomorrow about that wedding. Can we chat tomorrow? And she said, yeah. So I'm supposed to chat with her later on today. And Ooh, I will not waste any time nice. setting up a date. So we've got some updates. But uh, Okay, uh, so next time on Middle Ground, we've got the Serbian wedding update. And hopefully a report on the date with the Michigan-Serbian girl. All right. Well, that brings us to everyone's favorite negative feature on Middle Ground, and that is... (laughs) Mine's easy. You're going to love this. Uh, can I go first? Uh, absolutely. You already did. You just did. Uh, White Sox pitcher Chris Sale uh, <laughs> was uh, in, in the clubhouse last night uh, at U.S. Cellular Field before the game. Uh, White Sox and Tigers, good old-fashioned American League Central battle, and uh, doesn't like the throwback jerseys they're wearing. It was the White Sox wearing these hideous 1976 throwbacks. He doesn't like them. And uh, as a way of acting up, cuts up the jerseys, just takes his scissors to him, cuts up the jerseys, cuts up a couple other jerseys, and the White Sox have to scramble and come up with new jerseys to wear for last night's game against the Tigers. And uh, Sale, it was announced by Major League Baseball and the White Sox, suspended for five games. So uh, we got a man acting like a child. Uh, always fun. We like to point that out on middle ground. And uh, that's my dick pick for the Yet week. Yet another example of professional athletes as role model for our children. Chris Sale. What a dick. Mine's an easy nice. one also, and I'm going to fall in line with uh, Twitter and a lot of other people. Milo Yiannopoulos. Uh, the douchebag who decided that he not only didn't want Ghostbusters to be remade by female cast members, he didn't like the African-American cast member of the group and decided to launch his followers on a tirade to make her life a living hell, which of course succeeded because that's what Twitter does best. And uh, she quit and he was banned and the guy's a douchebag but the point that he made the other day this all happened during uh the republican national convention slash comic-con not sure which uh and the point that he made was thank you twitter for making me more famous than i ever have been and for making me the star of the republican national convention the guy's got a point which makes him even more of a douchebag what a dick Nice, really well done and really well said, actually, um, because not enough people 
know who this guy is. And forgive me because I need to do a little bit more reading on him. I'm, I'm Milo Yiannopoulos. He's a British so Greek. Is, so help me out. He's the guy that that has those all those followers that that no one knows who he is, but he has all those followers on Twitter. Is he well, that guy that you know the one? Yeah. Well, about? he's a journalist. He's he's British Greek or something like that. Some Euro trash uh, combination of the two, and he's on. I think this new. I don't know if it's new, but I I don't. I've never seen it. Breitbart News. It's kind of like BuzzFeed where it's celebrity shit, you know, okay. just skewed young right. and hip and whatever. Um, he's on there. I guess he's pretty influential. A lot of followers went on a tirade against, you know, the the idea of having Ghostbusters remade with females, which I, I don't disagree with him there or whatever. But that's another story. But he goes off on it. And then when the movie came out and he apparently didn't like it. Uh, he just started to trash Leslie Jones, the talented comedic performer, actor, actress uh, from Saturday Night Live, who's in the movie, and went after her, and all of his followers followed suit and literally ripped her to shreds. And I, I'm not going to repeat anything that was tweeted. You can, It's out there. You can Google it. Uh, but it was horrible, just horrible, horrible things. And it was, and just to be clear, it was racial because no one, certainly no one went after uh I mean, to, 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 to disguise that as not being happy with the re-release or the remake of Ghostbusters, no one went after Melissa McCarthy and no exactly. one went after Kate McKinnon. Exactly. No one went. No one went after Kristen Wiig. So it's more racial. Than oh, anything. totally racial, sexual, everything, everything anyone could ridicule, uh, any any cruel. 11 year old could come up with the kind of stuff uh, right. that was spewed out there, and she, you know. To either her credit or her detriment, she tried to fight back and refute a lot of these things, which is just fuel for the fire. Yeah. And, you know, retweets flying all over the place. Suddenly thousands and thousands and thousands of people are involved in the conversation. Uh, she disappeared then, tried to block all the people involved. That didn't work. So she quit Twitter and appealed to the Twitter CEO who responded and they banned the guy. But now, of course, this has led to a discussion of the freedom of speech. But where's the line between free speech and harassment? Yeah, and and no one and no one knows where that line is. You can always in this country hide behind. Yeah, and Twitter has allowed people to venture to wander further across that line in complete anonymity and without any accountability than any other media or forum known to society to this point. Strong point. Well said. So there you go. Um, You know what? We have no choice but to bring the program up, and we're going to rely on a news anchor from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Take it away, my friend. Oh, man, great guy. Just a wonderful friend of mine and uh, went to Michigan State with him and uh, lead anchor at WOOD-TV Channel 8 in Grand Rapids, a station that Chris Otto himself grew up watching. So please welcome Brian Sterling. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Brian. Oh, my pleasure. Gentlemen, Chris, Chris, thank you. Welcome to Middle Ground. It's nice to have you here on the ground with us. And we were talking about this before we started. Uh, Chris Otto and I met in broadcasting school at Michigan State. And uh, TV classes, radio classes, audio editing, video editing classes, things like that. And kind of connected over that stuff. Uh, and here it is 20-some years later, and Chris and I have never really cracked that nut. And the one guy I went to school with who didn't actually study broadcasting 
uh, ended up uh, as the lead anchor on Channel 8 in Grand Rapids. So congratulations, Brian, for falling ass backwards into that. <laughs> it's changed so much. I mean, obviously, when you and I were at State and Chris was at State, and we talked about this a little bit with Gary Reed at, at MSU in our last episode, you know, being a prominent TV anchor, there were still only three major networks plus CNN at that time and things like that. So it was so such a huge deal to get your news from an anchor um, that you trusted and things like that on a nightly basis. And it's, I don't want to say it's devolved, but it's changed so much over that 20-some years. Do you guys think about that at all? Do you, is it, you, when you sit down with editorial meetings and things like that, do you think about how do we recapture some of that or philosophies and trying to, I mean, how do you guys approach that day in and day out? It's, it's, a, it's a tantamount to being in a boat in which you are taking on water and furiously trying to get the water out of the boat all while going down the river at the same time. It's, there has been, a, I mean, it's, it, it's not an uh, underestimation to say that there's been a major sea change, obviously, in all of media, uh, not over the last 20 years. How about the last 20 minutes? It seems like things are changing constantly uh, in this business. And just look what happened. I mean, who would have fathomed, even 20 years ago, that you'd see major newspapers folding, that that there wouldn't be a print medium or the print medium would be so compromised that you only had three or four major players left in the country. Right. I mean, the fact that a city that the size of Detroit or Grand Rapids or here in Michigan, we don't even have a daily newspaper anymore. And that's like a stark contrast of where we were maybe 10, 15 years ago. Everything is moving digitally. Everything's moving uh, exponentially as far as uh, the Internet goes and the applications that are going on. Uh, and the way, and, and people are always constantly trying to come up with a way, well, how do you monetize this? When you're talking about 20, 30 years ago, when you only had three or four stations, cable was in its infancy. People were writing even that off at the point, that point in time that it wasn't going to be that major of a player. Now you've got a wide array on so many different platforms and so, so many different mediums and ways that you can get a hold of it in your pocket that has changed everything in this business from the top down. And no one, I haven't met anybody in or out of the business that can figure out a way to stay on top of this stuff. It's happening too fast. But if you just looked at what happened with this Pokemon Go thing, yeah, I mean, that, that thing took off. Within a week, it had surpassed Twitter as far as daily users. And you had businesses that were all of a sudden jumping on it and figuring out ways to monetize it or to use it in their marketing plans to draw people into their businesses, which I thought that's incredible. The fact that they could come up with that on the fly, yeah. recognize that this was an emerging technology, not be afraid of it. They embraced it. And I think that's what you're seeing. A lot of people, you know, change is always uh, something people are afraid of. And especially in the media, you hear change, change. Well, change is part of the drumbeat of the daily existence of being in the media. And what you're seeing these days, I think, is a lot of people now embracing this stuff, racing almost to the newest technology to just try to get ahead of it. Uh, you know, I'm glad we're jumping right into this because I wonder about uh, broadcasting, especially local news. And I I'm just going to be completely honest here. I I can't remember the last time I watched a local news broadcast. You know, I'm probably like, you know, the majority of America who either watches CNN or Fox or whatever they can when it's convenient. Um, never, I'm rarely in front of a TV at five or six o'clock, so I, I just don't see local news. Do you ever, 
do you ever think about the future of local news and whether or not you know would at some point you know would at some point would say you know what this just isn't worth it anymore um you know let's find another way to fill this half hour or whatever well let's just say it's good to be grandfathered in i guess in a way (laughs) if they if they were to come up with a concept in this day and age of let's have a person read me the news that i can get anywhere else uh, at a designated time that works better for them than maybe it does for me. And we're going to, you know, we'll have this on the TV station and we'll be able to sell advertising around it. I don't think anybody would bite on that business plan at all. Right. But what you have is that, yes, you've got this legacy transition of loyal viewers, uh, folks that are at least as old as we are, if not older, and, and our audience is skewing older. It's not skewing younger. We're losing viewers across the board, uh, and, and that's just not Wood TV. That's television, local television as a whole. Everyone's going to other places, uh, and, and like we just talked about all of the different places they can go. But local news is still relevant, and, I, and uh, it's relevant on a lot of levels. But I think when it's something that's happening in your community and you're able to provide a level of content that provides the viewer, in this case, uh, something of value, if there's a severe storm coming in, you're going to want to turn on the local TV station to see what the radar is doing. You know, there's always going to be that aspect. Or, or if there is something happening in your particular community, television still, and studies bear this out, it's still by far the most popular choice. We do have a bold online presence. We're not afraid of the online. We won't hold, you know, back in the day, maybe you'd hold a story for 6 o'clock and don't put it online because the competition might get it. That that kind of thinking has gone out the window. Yeah. You break it online first, and you you develop that that web audience, and hopefully that translates into a television audience. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. That's an art form in itself, and no one's really kind of figured that out. Well, I think there's there's almost an inherent value. You you talked about you know what value are people getting from watching you, and I think that's a great point because the value people get locally is obvious, whether it's weather, sports results, local things that are happening. So you've got something that they can't get outside of that market. What I really wonder about is a guy, you know, guys that are network news anchors, you know, that that 6.30 to 7 slot on the East Coast where it's network news, you know, it used to be Peter, Dan, and Tom, and that was it. And people people tuned in based on their personalities, who they liked, who they trusted to find out the news of the day. But now, to your point, the older legacy audience is tuning in because they always have. It's what they do after dinner. It's sort of a routine. Um, I don't know that's that it that it might that it's as personality based as it once was with the entrenched you know rather Brokaw Jennings uh, and even back to the Walter Cronkite days. But having said that, you could make a case for local news having more value to the viewer than that network news thirty minutes because they can get that stuff on CNN twenty four seven anywhere. Absolutely. So and you, you can get it at CNN.com. You said something though I thought that was the key to all this, which is how involved are you guys um, with the community? So I wanted to ask you, is community involvement and community outreach and things like that at WO, I'm assuming that that takes huge precedence then. I mean, I, don't, I, I know I saw in your bio that you were really active in the community and things like that. That must then become really, really important to be visible and things like that. To be able to have that outreach, whether it's inside the station or outside in the community when you're working with the TV station or even on my downtime, to be able to uh, be a touchstone for people, even if it's just a face that they recognize like, hey, that's the news guy. 
yes, that's important. But more important than that, you need you need to be a an active member of the community. You need to be involved and engaged. In fact, I would say that our station does a better job than most, especially when we've had a rough year here in West Michigan. We've had a couple of real high-profile, uh, awful breaking news situations. We had a, a mass shooting incident down in Kalamazoo earlier in the year. We had an awful bike crash uh, in that same community uh, just a few months ago. Um, the community at that point in time and this, we saw this on a national level, level after 9-11, uh, tends to drift back to television as like that old way of thinking of it's the community hearth, we're all going to gather around and get our information that way. So there are, you know, like, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but there are opp opportunities to take advantage of the community. But of course you have to be uh, engaged in this community. You have to be uh, willing to uh, listen to folks uh, if they've got a story idea or a concern or a problem that they need help, that they think that your, your station can help them solve and you can solve that and you can demonstrate that value to the viewer, that's huge. And so that's the role we try to play here. Do you tweet? Like, is that something that's mandatory for a, a television personality as a way to get out there and get an internet presence going or a, a mobile presence? You know, and, and this is, I'm of that generation just like you guys. When that for, When that stuff first came around, when Facebook and Twitter and everything first showed up on the scene, I was of the mindset of, like, who would do that? Who is going to put their <laughs> – I don't want to see anyone's lunch, you know. And, and, and there, was a, there was this kind of knee-jerk – maybe it was a generational thing, but you wanted to dismiss it right. as this, is, this isn't relevant, this isn't going to go anywhere. Well, guess what? <laughs> you better get on board because everybody else is paying attention to this thing. So there was. There was kind of like that um, – a little bit of a whitewater transition period where you had to – figure out what you wanted to be online. How were you going to present yourself, uh, you know, as a news personality in that kind of setting? There wasn't road, you know, there's no roadmap that shows you how to do this. Some people do it one way, other people do it a different way. I've seen a lot of careers crash on the shoals on Twitter, you know, mm. big one bad tweet and you, you could be sunk so it's it's tricky so i'm surprised that wood hasn't brought in consultants social media consultants to meet with your 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 team of reporters there to talk about you know how to utilize twitter well they'll bring in consultants but again it's more on it's more on the level of trying to engage the audience and using these tools like twitter and like facebook uh and instagram and anything else that's out there and, and they they don't say anything specifically like you've got to tweet this many times a day and da 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 but you need to be looking out for it as uh, just a journalist, like keep your eyes open, your ears open. Yeah. It's just another way to get information out there in a real-time fashion. You mentioned staying involved in the community and, and you know Twitter sort of engaging people in Wood TV and, and keeping them as viewers. It would be nice if Twitter, Facebook, and social media worked that way all of the time. But, you know, this, I don't know if you guys are following this Leslie Jones thing over the last couple of days. But as a news anchor who's a pretty, pretty visible member of your community, people see you on TV every day. Are you getting that side of Twitter that you just think, man, what's the value of this? This is, this is not constructive. Locally, are you getting the trolls on your Twitter feed or on your co-anchors? Maybe after this podcast, I'll get some. <laughs> uh, fortunately, I have, this is how long I've been in the business. It used to be someone would actually take the time, write you a very mean letter, physically put it in the mailbox, and it would arrive, and you held this, and you could see in their own handwriting how angry this person was at you. But it took effort, right? I mean, I, you would look at that and say, like, wow, 
somebody took the time to write this and mail it, and they were pretty concerned about this. And that was just my dad. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, you'll get email blasts, uh, again, and these are from anonymous people that don't want to sign their name, but they're either they're correcting you on a grammar mistake or they're uh, uh, criticizing you on how much weight you've gained or what it may be, what, whatever it may be. I haven't seen that uh, quite that phenomenon yet. Thank God, it turn on me where they just go after you relentlessly. When when something like this year comes, it's an election year, and there's still very very important things on TV. You know, obviously with the convention and things like that. When you see like someone like the rise of Trump, do you think that part of his rise is because broadcast media has tried to be too fair? And I think you know what I'm getting at here. In other words. Should CNN and those guys have gone right after him from the start instead of trying to be balanced and fair? Should people have actually been trying to call this guy out on when he actually was? Uh, do you guys discuss the merits of that and, and theories about that when you're trying to figure out how to cover what has been just a bizarre election year, even at the local level? Right. Well, I mean, on one hand, it's been the best election year ever. Instead of the networks wondering about uh Fair and balanced. I think the networks were interested in one thing, and that was their bottom line. And Trump delivered the ratings, plain and simple. And so if you look at the studies they've done on this campaign and how much disproportionate coverage Donald Trump received from the major networks and the news organizations following the campaign, you could only logically conclude that the reason they were doing this is because people were tuning in to watch it. It, it, news organizations like CNN and MSNBC and Fox, they're all looking at it from the standpoint of like, wow, this guy is really drawing in viewers that we normally don't get. And so why wouldn't you keep putting him on TV or trying to get him on your station in some way or fashion if you thought that it was going to attract conversation? Can they still do that and, and maintain uh, balanced and um, objective reporting? I think they can. I don't think that the Trump nomination should be hung around the neck of the media. Uh, this seemed to be more of a Republican Party issue than anything, and, and their messaging maybe. The media is going to go where the story is, and certainly the story this campaign year has been Donald Trump. So how do you, especially in this election, how do you keep your own political views out of, you know, off the look on your face when you report some of this crazy stuff that Trump says or does, or, you know, even some of the stuff that Hillary's gone through. I mean, they're both just so polarizing. Uh, you know, you've, you've, I, I assume you're trying to maintain some objectivity, but, you know, you're casting a vote too. I don't think it's any problem for me at all because I just look at it from the standpoint that this whole thing, the whole story is on its face is interesting. There are things that the people need to know it's easy to be objective about this story. You don't have to uh, insert your own opinions in it because there are so many other people with their own opinions. You can let them tell the story. And I think any, any skilled journalist would be able to do that. They wouldn't get wrapped up in this. I think what happens is that some, some news organizations or, you know, the objectivity at some news organizations leans one way or the other. And so you will see some pandering and smart viewers will be able to pick it out and see what it is for what it is. But I well, think at a local level, it's easier to duck away from that kind of stuff. And, well, and thank God we have one network that's fair and balanced in Fox News. So. <laughs> that's why. That's what scares me about the Internet and Twitter and what you guys were talking about a few minutes ago is that you as a person are naturally going to gravitate towards your bubble and your people. And that's I think, has a lot to do 
with how this country has become so divided over the past 15 years or so is that these people are over here, those people are over there, they found their little comfort zone, and the internet doesn't encourage independent thought or sharing of ideas. In fact, it, it might uh, encourage the opposite of just finding your own people and not listening to any other ideas. That's the big fear I have with the internet and social media. Somewhere along the line in the American discourse, we've lost the ability to listen to the other side in a rational manner, just to hear them out or to the fact that the word compromise is almost, uh, you know, it's verboten in, in, in Washington, D.C., yeah. when that's that's what the whole country has been founded on is the ability in a rational way without screaming and yelling, but in a dignified, intelligent way, rationally going through an argument and coming to a conclusion that maybe everyone can live with. We have completely thrown that out. Race relations in this country, at least in our lifetimes, is at an all-time low. A lot of people think we're back to the 60s where, um, you know, with the, the conflicts with police, with race riots and protesting in major cities across the country. So I want to bring it to your community there in Grand Rapids. I grew up in Grand Rapids in Kentwood. A um, couple hundred thousand people there. It's a relatively small city, second largest city in Michigan. Um, what's it like there? Have there been protests? Is it, what's the mood like? Is there the kind of tension in cities like Baltimore and Dallas and around the country that we're seeing or what's, what's going on? Here in Grand Rapids, thankfully, um, the, the community has been very proactive and, and Wood TV has been a part of that too. Uh, but the community, as far as police, uh, the establishment, city hall, uh, some of the community members, uh, the clergy, folks of that nature, they're all on the same page and, and they've been having a lot of discussions they've been having discussions about the way they police um these the body cam issue uh obviously is something that we've explored here on a local level and uh everyone's apprehension about that both up the, in the community and from the police officers so <clears throat> you're never going to be able to escape it in this country growing up in grand rapids you, you can't escape uh the fact that you're in the home of gerald r ford the only U.S. president never elected to national office, <laughs> sort of <laughs> right. literally stumbled into the vice presidency and then stumbled into the presidency uh, and stumbled off a few airplanes along the way. But uh, <laughs> a, a whole museum there dedicated to his presidency of, what, two and a half years or something. But yes. what, what's the political bent now in Grand Rapids? Is it a Hillary town? Is it is you know, a Trump town? Where, where is the electorate? Well, I would say that things probably haven't changed that much since uh, you lived in West Michigan. It's still a relatively uh, conservative area. When we had the Michigan primary here, I know in some of the outlying counties, uh, especially counties along the lakeshore, they were very uh, heavily in favor of Ted Cruz. Uh, mm. Ted Cruz was a very uh, popular candidate, uh, I would say, in the most conservative areas of West Michigan. The city of Grand Rapids is probably a little bit more, leans a little bit more liberal only because it's got a more diverse uh, population. But it's a it's a growing community. I invite you to come back. We have been named <laughs> Beer City uh, two years in a row. We've got a fabulous downtown that is expanding uh, exponentially. This city was one of the only cities where you saw construction cranes up during the Great Recession. Uh, there's been a fantastic amount of investment here, both public and private. Uh, Michigan State University has just opened a huge, beautiful new medical school downtown. Yeah. Um, this this city uh, is really poised to grow and to become much more diverse and much more economically diverse uh, than probably what you remember back 10, 15 years ago. Did you ever um, 
as a broadcaster uh, think about more? Did you ever think national? Did you ever think I wanted to be in a larger market? Because you really have found a nice home there. You've made a nice home for yourself. You've done very well. But did you ever think, you know, laying in bed at night going, God, there's so much more out there. Do I need to be somewhere else? Does that kind of gnaw at you a little bit? Or were you always happy in Michigan? Yeah, you know, I, I can't say that it ever really gnaws at me. Do I sometimes wonder, like, hey, I wonder what that would have been like. As you know, there are many different roads you can take. And I, I didn't know if I wanted to be on that career path of, oh, I've got to get to the network or I want to be that correspondent. Because I, I felt like, ah, maybe you'll flame out. or right. It seemed like a tougher road. I, I love the business. I love doing it. And so I wanted to be able to do it uh, for a long time. I wanted to have a little longevity. But at the same time, I wanted a life. You know, I wanted, right. I've got little kids and I've got a wife. And, you know, you want to have that balance in your life. I think like anybody does that. Uh, you know, my career wasn't going to be first and foremost in the whole the whole kit and caboodle for me. Um, but I, I have been lucky here at Wood because I've been able to go to to be around those national correspondents and talk to them and get a feel for what their life is like. And when you're talking about guys that are on the road 280, almost 300 days a year and didn't have more than 16 days in a row at home the entire year – you start thinking like, was that lifestyle going to be good for me? Maybe that wasn't going to be a good fit. But, you know, when you get into broadcasting, it's like you can't pick your shift. You're going to work nutty hours. You know, this night shift isn't the great greatest thing for me or my family, but uh, it works. You know, you just make it work. There's always going to be a sacrifice at some level here on on these kind of jobs, but hopefully it ties in well where you can get some balance out of it. You know, a lot of people look at an anchor on the 6 o'clock news and think, well, this guy works for 30 minutes. He's on TV. He gets free haircuts and probably free free clothes and makeup every, you know, and he's home by, by 11.30 or whatever. But, you know, we all know it's your day is a lot longer than that with the writing and packages and everything you guys are doing. But what is the worst part about being a news anchor or reporter? Oh, it's got to be that hair. Uh, I'm going to go back just... just... <laughs> Just watching your own physical deterioration over 20 years, uh, both on camera and off, is is enough uh, to send chills up your spine. <laughs> I, you know, it's very little. You know, the hours I would say are never ideal and that kind of stuff. Or the law, this it can get stressful, obviously. And you talked about this year in particular. I think just the news has just been awful, and so it will wear on you uh, from a stress standpoint. And some of the stuff it almost gets like a relentless drumbeat. Like, man, I don't know how long I can keep. Uh, because the first thing they tell you uh, when you're trying to to lessen your stress is to turn off the TV news. Well, that's not an option <laughs> for me, so I've got to find other ways. But um, no, that and, and that was my uh, that was the objection I had with the whole anchorman uh, Ron Burgundy thing. It really wasn't that far away from real life. I believe it, that it I was totally it that. was just, it was on the side. There were no you know station uh, riots in between the two the rival stations, but. Other than that, a lot of that stuff rang true. Oh, come on. You know, you know you hate those bastards over at WZZM. Come on. <laughs> oh, we're all friends here. Yeah. Well, that's I, think, I think we all have that same look in our eyes like, yeah, how long is this going to last? <laughs> <laughs> well, Let's just admit it, right? It's senior citizens and older folks who are having their dinner and watching the local news. When these folks are gone in 30, let's say 30 years, what where is local news going to be it's not going to be habitual anymore it's not going to be you know family viewing um uh traditional family viewing what's it going to look like between 6 and 6:30 around the country we provide a lot of 
programming throughout the day. We're doing uh, about eight and a half hours of local live local news a day. So mm-hmm. I would say that to maintain that relevance, while it might not be appointment viewing the way it used to be, uh, I, I, I still believe that there are opportunities to be able to drive people back to the television set, especially in times uh, when it matters the most. Look at morning news, for example. I think morning news has always been a great opportunity to introduce your product to the general audience. And you're getting a group of folks that are, again, they're tuning in because they want to be equipped for the day. They want to know how to dress their kids for the bus stop, to get them out to school, what's the weather going to be like, things of that nature. What do the roads look like? Am I going to be able to get in? What happened overnight? What's happening today? And I think that, again, people are still, they still have a craving for news and information. We just have to do a better job at telling stories that matter and making ourselves relevant, more relevant again, instead of just taking the easy way out on stuff. If you provide content that provides a, a value for that viewer, that they can find something out of that, and you can do that consistently, they'll come back to you. Right. It's, it seems like a simple formula. It certainly isn't, but it, it, it is attainable. You can do it. It seems to me, like I said earlier, the value that you have, the one thing that nobody can do on the national level in Grand Rapids is Grand Rapids local news. It, it always sort of puzzled me when you turn on the local 6 o'clock news and they would cover the national story of the day that Brokaw is going to cover again in 30 right. minutes much better. So, right. And those are editorial quibbles, and we all have those kind of internal debates as well and stuff like that. But make no mistake about it. Even though the Internet is growing exponentially, and it has since, I would say, like, maybe it was if you chopped up the, the pie chart, if the Internet represented uh, 4% in 2002, it was up to 14% in 2010, and maybe maybe is approaching 20 right now. But television, unlike radio, unlike the newspapers, has maintained in that 40, 43, 45% of that's the, where people go to get their information. Right. Television. Yeah. So it's still, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think it's still the best medium going as far as, you know, I, I like watching, you know, stuff on Netflix and everything else like that. But the convenience of television, I think, still, still can be utilized to anyone's advantage in this business that's good to hear so you are safe my friend you just (laughs) (laughs) well we got you know you got to have a plan they always tell you have a plan b you guys you guys are you're on to some stuff because uh i really was uh you've got something going with this tinder thing Uh, (laughs) that that needs to be explored a little bit more in depth absolutely has already you talk about things happening so fast it's already old news brian it's bumble now that's right that's absolutely right all day because my opening lines are terrible. It's I'm not kidding you guys. It's Bumble all day. Goodbye, Tinder. It was fun, <laughs> but it's Bumble. Sorry. Well, look, see, if, that's that's how quickly it changes. If everyone had you're just his like, mu- you're just like my neighbor running through the backyard looking for Pokemon. <laughs> Should we move to the three questions? Do you want to? But yeah, we got to do it, Brian. We're going to do three questions. First one we usually ask, and I know I know you've listened to every single episode, so you probably know the questions that are coming, and you've prepared amazing answers ahead of time. Uh, so, so we know you didn't go to school for broadcasting, but when you were younger, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, I wanted to be an FBI agent, Ooh, and nice. then I wanted to be a DJ, so it was somewhere in between there. 
Let me ask you this. If you, even at this age, if you could attempt one thing in your life, uh, if you knew you wouldn't fail, uh, anything out there, you're like, God, I really want to try that. I really have it uh, within me to do this and to be really good at it. Yeah, I wish I had the guts for like some extreme sports. You know, yeah. I wish I just had mm. the stones to, to get on that hang glider <laughs> or uh, to conquer Everest. But I just don't. It's just not there. So the third question, and this is one of our favorites, if there were one song that would sum up your childhood and growing up, what would that song be? <clears throat> it would have to be the Humpty Dance. Do the Humpty Hump. Because <laughs> oh, you had to stop what you were doing because he was about to ruin the image and the style that I was used to. He made money. He was funny. The whole world was looking at him. <laughs> Do the Humpty Hump. Hey, Brian, thank you so much for joining us and taking time here between your 6 o'clock and 11 o'clock news duties. We're, we're honored that you took the time to to join us in our little tiny podcast here in the podcasting world. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate the, uh, the time to... Uh, to talk to you guys and i wish you the best of luck with your podcast you're on to something here thanks Pete. <laughs> yeah thank you chris thank you chris thanks brian appreciate it all right guys brian sterling on middle ground from channel 8 in grand rapids wood tv tune in if you're in town uh we are chris and chris email us comments questions criticisms whatever you got chris and chris mg at gmail.com have a good week everybody thanks for listening We'll see you next time. I do the Humpty Hump. Come on, I do the Humpty Hump. Check me out, y'all. I do the Humpty Hump. Just watch me do the Humpty Hump. Yeah. Do you know what I'm doing? Doing the Humpty Hump. Come on. I do the Humpty Hump. I do the Humpty Hump. People say you're Humpty. You're really funny looking. That's all right, cause I get things cooking. You stare, you glare, you constantly try to compare me. But you can't get near me. I'm giving more C and on the floor B, all the girls, they adore me. Oh yes, ladies, I'm really being sincere. Cause in the 69, my Humpty nose will tickle your rear. My nose is big. Uh-uh, I'm not ashamed. Big like a pickle. I'm still getting paid. I get laid by the ladies. You know I'm in charge. Both how I'm living and my nose is large. I get stupid. I shoot an arrow like Cupid. I use a word that don't mean nothing. Like Luke did. I sang on Do What You Like. And if you missed it, I'm the one who said just grab them in the biscuits. Also told you that I like to bite. Well, yeah, I guess it's obvious. I also like to write. All you had to do was give Humpty a chance. And now I'm gonna do my dance. The Humpty dance is your chance to do the hump. Come on.